March 21, 2022 is the official day I start to put this down. How long these words have been in my head before this date though? That really doesn't matter. Why is this date important to me? Because the day before, March the 20th, 2022 was the day I found the title for this missive. I use the term missive loosely here or maybe not too loosely because I aim here to communicate in the mostly and uncomplicated terms possible and of course through my lenses. So, I was scrolling as it's mostly a pastime now through statuses on WhatsApp and a friend who refers to himself simply as Seed Ink Black wrote something about being fluent in silence. He was referring to silent treatments in relationships, of course, but at that moment, it hit me differently as most things often do. Oh, to me, she... You are more eloquent and more productive in your silences than any other time. To anyone that will sound very plausible and in fact mundane, most people should be able to function where there is silence and have their thoughts as their only companions. Hello introverts. But on the flip side, there are some creatives whose juices flow to the extreme with all the noises and flashes here and there, and they are happy-go-lucky. This is also valid. Then there are people like me. When fluency in silence doesn't mean creativity, it is a place, a place of terror, a haven, a place of extreme pictures of Armageddon, a place of a quaint painting of paradise. You really don't want to stay in this place. You know you shouldn't stay in this place. All of the things that you have been conditioned to know and hold to be good and faithful tell you not to go to this place that feeds and tries to solve the conflict that is existence. Simultaneously, you fight it with prayers, with fasting, going to the mountains, and then you evolve and then embrace all that this new world has to offer. Yet, this place calls you constantly. It is somewhat easy to say how this place can disrupt your life. After all, the fruit of the disruption is quite evident. Recklessness in behavior, temperament, weight loss, weight gain, purpose dreaming, no future ambition, and everything in between. Oh, let's not forget the moods, the swing here and there. Plus, you're a woman. It could be the almighty premenstrual syndrome. Oh, no, wait. You're the man, you are not supposed to be in the mood. So, whatever the emotion, if it is too overt, it's just being a man. It's a man's world, of course. And then he gets emotional. Are you not a man? Get over yourself. Then the war of silence starts. The mind begins to play games and it begins to win. The dialogues are more inviting, no holds bad. What many things goes on in the mind is that there is no judgment. And that is why people will do things and say, I do not care. Newsflash, at least from my colored lenses, there are judgment days. Those days are the days when you know that the jury of your soul, forgetting that you are the one who handpicked your jurors, know your own story 
will not wait for the closing remarks from the counsel. Again, this counsel is you to go before the judge who will slam the gravel. Who is the judge? You. Yet, it is a safe place because you are the judge, the juror, the jury, and, well, you know, the audience. There's this other silence, the sweet silence that paints the beautiful paradise where no one is evil. Not you, not anyone. The utopia of your soul. Nothing has ever happened. Even when the evil has just happened, your name is Pollyanna. And nothing is taking that piece away. The judge, the juror, and the jury are present still and the defense lawyer is going hard at you you see nothing though you hear nothing all you feel is the sweet nothing of nothing there is no existence there's no truth there's no lie there's nothing just air the reality of now what you can do or not do who you can be or not be whether it matters or not very very inconsequential the most amazing thing about this part of silence the evidence outward appearance it is so calm yet very deceptive this scenarios yes pass through my mind's eye in the 10 minutes after seeing seed in black status and then i knew that i would title this letter the fluency of silence when depression makes sense I did not have imaginary friends growing up. I do not recall having tea parties or lining up my daddies or babies to get playdates. I did not have monsters under my pillows, but I grew up in what will be considered a middle-income family. My father was a quintessential civil servant who did all he could within his well, now in retrospect, meager income to make sure my brothers and I had all we could. It was very far from the silver spoon. There are many in-betweens that I may be able to fill in as I continue with this letter. Those which I cannot, I hope, I will be able to address in some other form. I reference imaginary friends for a reason. You see, when people have active imaginations and can tell stories, say they do see or hear things that they think or consider not to be expected by others, the people listening tend to dismiss it as being part of their creative imagination. This is where my story starts. I have said, I do not recall a handful of monsters under my pillows or playing with people who weren't available. I, however, have been blessed with a vast memory. I can remember everything apart from anything I choose not to remember. And when I choose not to remember... No matter the number of promptings, I will not. The reasons are pretty simple. If it will disrupt my or a person's perception, I believe I hold in high esteem or regard, I will not remember. Well, I am yet to try hypnotism. Maybe someday I will and then somebody will be able to say, you must remember. So when at the age of six... I reported an incident of a sexual nature to my parents and was punished and dismissed as me being overly expressive ebullient. My imagination was so prolific, they said, that it could dream up any fantasy. My small word was shattered in my mind. So, you know, I have an active sense. 
you know I am aware enough. So why will I make this up? That was the beginning of my love affair with silence. I have stories of me just sitting in one place for long periods as a younger child, staring into nothing, being intuitive and, well, according to them, almost clairvoyant. For the swore, I could tell a thing before it happened. All that to me was just being observant. Suspicious people were moving around the house. I pointed it out to people I believed were supposed to know better, yet being extra attentive to people. My surroundings didn't translate into clairvoyance to me as a child. I just thought I was just living life through my eyes. What my child's mind did not know is that people before me may have been, as Don Miguel Ruiz puts it, domesticated. And my journey to domestication has just begun. You can be seen, you cannot be heard. From there on, everything stayed inside the good, the bad, the ugly. To whom could I share the recurrent visit of unwanted visitors? Who would believe the prophecy of an embullioned young girl, though a doctor already proved her made-up story was true? The pictures that had just happened upon me, they began to build painted with different breaststrokes on various canvas. The little work on the tapestries was painfully soothing. There were times I needed them, that is the pain, to feel normal so I could go cry and tell myself I was still normal after all. I knew it wasn't right. None of it was. I was used to it. Under the stairs, in the bedroom, on a makeshift bed, in the car, on the lap of a trusted relative. All different paintings and tapestries. Some could be hung up in the air for the beauty in pain is to help others see the light. Others will instead choose to find their confinement in the peaceful silence of psychosis. In the simplest definition, psychosis is seeing things that are not there. Science, psychiatry, and psychology define it as a combination of symptoms resulting in an impaired relationship with reality. Relatively, this is true. I do not stand in the way of this definition in any shape or manner because indeed, the end of any psychotic episode is some disconnection with what is the reality at the time of the episode. I have taken time to give a background to how I, in my non-scientific mind, have come to the place where I could live in bliss. One moment and the next, I hear voices and I'm feeling bodies and peoples moving around me. Sometimes I hear what they are saying and it is clear as day that we are in an intelligent conversation, which might even lead to a good blog post or a good topic for a show on radio. At other times, they were downright incredulous. Take a knife, cut yourself, try it, you won't die, it's fun. This one is the most fun. Throw yourself to the wall, do it a thousand times over, then maybe you can sleep, and then we can try it again. That's the one voice who knows I love to drive solo. It tells me, so, let's drive, just drive to where you don't know when we are tired we can come back and then tell them 
And the incredulous voice leaves me at the point to make up the reason I drove to wherever without address. There are plenty of other humans and voices of different episodes that I could share, but I think you got the gist now. Sounds implausible, yes? I assure you, it is. It is even easier for me to stay with these voices because I grew up in an environment where positive reinforcements were next to negative zero. You probably didn't breathe the whole day to get a well-done child. So, when antipsychosis decided to complete a confinement in my mind, as will a pregnant woman waiting to birth a child, she had many nutrients to draw from in the placenta of broken dreams. Trust and dysfunctional development. Those voices were my friends. They fed my silences. They kept me as a sing child, living through a people who only saw me as an object of pleasure. The custodians of my fragile heart were too steeped in their pain to see the damage done under their noses. I was a curious child. Till the age of six, I did not think I was somber. I was inquisitive and maybe a tad too serious, but I was also full of life. I would win dance competitions at parties. I would readily play with the children so long my spirit allows me to. Even as young as I was, if I didn't feel comfortable with a child my age, nothing would make me stay or play with that child. Unfortunately, that was misconstrued as many things ranging from a water spirit to being an impossible child. Would that they had listened. Would that they had been more vigilant. I probably will still have the story, but from a different and, well, less painful lens. But it is not to be so. The more I resisted being left with a particular set of people, the more punishment awaited. So, silence. Then, more pictures. More materials for antipsychosis to draw from when I grew up and as I evolved. As I intimated at the beginning of this letter, I'm not writing as a professional. I would draw from the wealth of science all through my letter. One thing I have found, as with everything though, there are universals, there are also exceptions. I am not saying I'm an exception. I am saying this is my story and I have experienced, experiencing and living through my diagnosis. To give my description of psychosis a backbone for lack of a better term, these playmates would come to me in close places, <laughs> at night when I'm alone and when no one can help when I shout for help. They are moving around, touching me, then running away as if playing touch and go as we did when we were young. Then the largest in the group will hold me down and is breathing down my neck like a gang rape was about to happen. Then I come to a sieve woken from a trance. For years, for years, this scene played and played and played. I still can't take an elevator alone. I can't sleep in a room where I can't touch either side of the wall. I still jump at the sound of my husband's feet, though it's just us at home. And this episode I just described, until very recently, was very sensual in nature. 
Though now I can look it in the face and hit the hand off me when I feel it. Antipsychosis has many scenarios to pull from. This one is one that I choose to bury. But much as I planted and braved it in my consciousness, it followed me for a long time. I am still working. Mindfully with Tumiche, the podcast. And this is another monologue and an excerpt from a book that I call The Fluency of Silence When Depression Makes Sense. Another episode comes your way and we'll be having the concluding parts of the conversations on friendship that we started. And as I promised, I have... I, I, We'll be having uh, Ola and Derile in the studio and they will give their final thoughts. Subscribe, share, and please rate the show. Please rate the show to give us more visibility. You can also support the show. So check the show's description and then you see the show link. Find us on blackimages.com. Do not forget to be good to you love yourself love your neighbor love this country above all of this love god he is the essence of your being i am uluwa tumishi